chapters ten through twelve of a memoir on the life and character of the reverend prince demetrius a de Galitzin by thomas hyden this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter ten personal religion virtues during the forty-one years that he incessantly toiled on the allegheny mountain for the spiritual and temporal welfare of his beloved flock all his people had the amplest opportunity of knowing him and all at this day must be convinced how inadequate even the language of eulogy is to describe the various virtues he exhibited as father pastor teacher guide he was in the fullest sense of the phrase a man of prayer and a man of god rude and severe to himself he was most kind and charitable to all others how affable did he not show himself to the poor man was he not the father of the poor the widow's and the orphan's friend like saint gregory the great he had always besides his own another family to support a family of poor or orphans to whom he gave their daily bread the whole amount of the wreck of his fortune which he spent for religious purposes could not be less than one hundred and fifty thousand dollars who in distress ever applied in vain to him was it not to secure provision for the poor the suffering members of the saviour that made him lead a life of incessant self-denial how promptly and profusely did he spend in his neighborhood the large remittances which from time to time he received from europe had you waited on him the next day you would not have found a single fraction of the copious sum it had passed away into the lap of the poor as the shower of yesterday into the thirsty soil had some tyrant or intended plunder of the church visited his dwelling the following morning and asked him where were kept the treasures of the church as the martyr st lawrence was asked he could with the same holy levite pointing to the multitude of the indigent whom he had relieved tell the tyrant these are the treasures of the church he sunt thesari ecclesiae on one occasion he had bestowed a considerable alms on a seemingly distressed traveller who had very piteously applied to him for help but who was afterwards found to have spent it in drink at a hotel in the village of loretto the hotel keeper at whose house this happened received back to his great surprise the identical five-dollar note which a short time before he had given the reverend prince on the occasion of the baptism of one of his children when he was told of the unworthy use which the beggar had made of his alms he replied i gave it not to him i gave it to god the winter before his death had been extremely severe snow had fallen to unusual depth so that not only the poor but many others in competent circumstances fell short of a supply of fuel it is incredible how many he relieved hearing of the distress that prevailed on this account in loretto the man of god sent word for all who needed to come to him forthwith his scanty store was thrown open to all 
it might be truly said of him as it was of the illustrious bishop of kildare and leland if his heart had been made of gold he would have given it all to the poor therefore are his goods established in the lord and all the churches of the saints shall declare his praise although naturally vif of a quick and impetuous temperament he like st francis de sales so far subdued himself as to be most mild and placable to all though always rigid towards himself he always showed himself the prince as far as magnanimity is concerned whether pardoning personal injuries or defending the injured being vicar-general intermontes under right reverend dr conwell second bishop of philadelphia his interference was sometimes solicited by clergymen when the church of western pennsylvania began to expand and priests were multiplied having on a certain occasion been appealed to by a clerical friend who had suffered or believed he had suffered injustice from a brother clergyman a dignitary the reverend prince at once took the part of the oppressed and ceased not his efforts until all matters were righted to the satisfaction of the appellant who was the weaker and more humble litigant he was most unmindful of the wrongs but most mindful of favors bestowed on him he inscribed injuries on sand and benefits on marble he often experienced crosses and losses which would have been trivial to him if he had obtained his princely patrimony but which sorely tried him as a professor and practiser of evangelical poverty thus when his sawmill which he had built for the utility of the public with great difficulty out of his limited means was in one night entirely consumed by fire through the carelessness of the overseer whom he had generously remunerated for his former services he at once received the apology of the reckless employee and hired him again without making any reflection on his faithlessness and subsequently when the same unjust steward whom he had appointed over all his goods had fraudulently sold for his own benefit in baltimore a team of horses which he had confided to his care he immediately pardoned him when he fell at his feet owning his delinquency his gratitude to his benefactors was conspicuous thus he would often declare his affection and high regard for two prince merchants of baltimore john and thomas oliver who had relieved him in his necessities and awaited his own time for repayment of their generous loans this indulgence was the more creditable to them as they were not of his religious faith they are both honorably mentioned in an autobiographical sketch which is still extant he also in a letter to bishop carroll of eighteen o nine records the names of the following charitable gentlemen of philadelphia who came to his rescue namely john and edward carroll chief justice tilgman mr benjamin morgan a lawyer and a quaker who loaned him as much as disengaged him from his pressing demands he reckoned among his foremost benefactors one of the late popes his holiness being made aware of his princely character and of his noble endurance and sacrifices 
very generously sent him a handsome donation the reverend gallitzin called the attention of the writer of this to the language of the brief in which his holiness called him amplitudo tua your greatness smiling and displaying his feeble delicately formed frame i think said he that the good pope instead of amplitudo tua should have put tenuitas tua your littleness or tenuity he was a most whole-souled devoted child of the apostolic see receiving with the profoundest and most filial respect all the oracles that emanated from it to the decisions of every one of the supreme pontiffs the pastor of pastors he applied the declaration of the council of chalcedon petrus per leonem locutus est peter has spoken through leo he used to relate with evident pleasure an anecdote of the russian ambassador at washington or charge de fer baron francis de maltitz who had advanced to him five thousand dollars and took his bond or obligation for this sum the reverend prince visited washington the next winter when the ambassador gave on his account a magnificent entertainment to which was invited henry clay with the elite of the city towards the close of the sumptuous dinner the reverend prince who sat next to the ambassador asked him your excellency what about my bond for the five thousand dollars his excellency pulled the bond out of his pocket showed it to him and then deliberately lighted his cigar with it this was all that was afterwards heard of his bond if we admire in our gallitzin the triumph of grace if we are struck with his incalculable labors for nearly half a century with his secluded self-immolation on the allegheny mountain far away from the brilliant circles in which he once moved there is one thing which we must even more admire in him his extraordinary humility whenever informed by any one of the fame which his writings procured him in this country and among the prelates and priests of england and ireland who loudly commended them to their flocks and caused them to be republished he was wont to say that he was glad the same god who enabled the illiterate to convert the world has enabled me to say something to the purpose in favor of the catholic cause to see him to hear him to judge from the outer man no one would ever discover that he was brought up delicately born of noble parents destined for the most splendid prospects that were within his grasp in his own country in conversing with him you would imagine he was of the same obscure origin of the lowliest pretensions and to hint to him that you were aware of his high rank would be sure to pain him nay almost to offend him being intimate with him for twenty years i have never known or perceived the slightest deviation in him from the hidden life in christ which he led it was to avoid the honors and vain esteem of the world that made him lay aside the noble name of gallitzin and assume the humble one of reverend mr smith by which he was known for many years how deeply had he learned humility at the feet of his crucified master chapter eleven affliction on hearing of the death of his mother 
imitation of the saints among the charges brought by saint paul against the heathen was that they were without affection far be this disposition from the followers of christ our gallitzin was most remarkable for compassion and tenderness of heart we may easily believe that he must have been overwhelmed with the most poignant grief and anguish on receiving the sad intelligence of his mother's death and such a mother in a letter dated the eleventh of november eighteen o six he thus writes to bishop carroll your favor i received this morning with the enclosed letters of my sister announcing the doleful news of that fatal stroke which deprived me of a most affectionate mother and your diocese of a most zealous friend and protector the flood of tears it drew from my eyes were chiefly tears of joy and exultation at the happy exchange she made after long continual sufferings of every kind thanks be to god i was sufficiently prepared by several letters from friends in philadelphia baltimore etc early in september in conjunction with rev mr heilbrun i celebrated her funeral three successive days in as splendid a manner as the narrowness of my circumstances admitted the church was crowded and the piety of the faithful contributed a considerable sum for masses for the benefit of her departed though i trust already happy soul i beg of your lordship to accept of this watch a most excellent one of its kind belonging to my father no body in fact is more entitled to it than your lordship that have been a father to me and more than my real father according to the flesh in this tribute to his mother we fancy we almost see realized the scene of augustine weeping over and offering prayers and sacrifices for his sainted mother monica as he tells us in his confessions i closed her eyes and a very great grief then began to flow out in tears and if any one shall find it to be a sin that i wept for my mother some small part of an hour who so many years had wept for me let him not deride me for it but rather if his charity be great let him weep also for my sins to thee the common father of all the brethren of thy christ as he had taken for his models the lives of the saints the charles borromeos the francis of sales the vincent of paul's so did he like them daily aspire to perfection like them he was distinguished for vital piety and above all for his lively and tender devotion towards the virgin mother of our lord he lost no opportunity of extolling her perfections he endeavored to be an imitator of her as she was of christ he every evening recited her rosary with the litany of the saints before his household he was wont frequently to inculcate this beautiful devotion to his people and all other pious observances in honor of our tainted nature's solitary boast the chapel in which he said daily mass he dedicated to god under the patronage of this ever-glorious virgin whom all nations were to call blessed it was in honor of her that he gave to the town which he founded the name of loretto 
after the far-famed loretto which towering above the blue waves of the adriatic contains the sainted shrine of mary's humble house at nazareth once the scene of the great mystery of the incarnation and which the italian mariners as they pass to encounter the perils of the deep or as they return in safety from them salute chanting the joyous hymn ave maria stella chapter twelve pastoral relations how indefatigably vigilant and provident he was in promoting the spiritual and temporal welfare of his flock he has left behind them enduring evidences to show he was unwearied in his solicitude to guard his congregation against the contagion of the world and preserve it from the vain fashions and noxious customs that contaminate cities and large towns the slightest attempt towards the introduction into his parish of these profane novelties and expensive follies was sure to be noticed by him and instantly checked how quick and wakeful he was to detect and denounce even the very semblance of scandal and all them that work iniquity who is weak he could say and i am not weak who is scandalized and i am not on fire he was singularly zealous in insisting on the necessity of manifesting the profoundest reverence the strictest propriety in the house of god all who knew him and there are still some living that did well remember his noble and majestic mien and reverential air when officiating at the altar of the lord of hosts on one occasion as he was performing the ceremony of aspersion of the holy water before mass his small piercing eye chanced to light upon a lady very unbecomingly attired in his irrepressible zeal he threw a handkerchief towards her to intimate to her to dress more modestly to appear more respectful before the divine presence in the tabernacle zealous domus tue comedit me zeal for thy house hath eaten me up to teach all humility in the temple of god's glory to make rich and poor feel that they were equal at church on a dead level he would allow no distinctions whatever no pews no benches not even fire during the almost russian winters of the allegheny the least departure from propriety during public worship could not escape his eagle eye and the transgressor of high or low degree would receive from him a look and lesson never to be forgotten for he loved the beauty of god's house and the place where his glory dwelleth how zealous he was to promote temperance among his parishioners is well known there is no one that experienced more horror at intemperance than he did none felt or viewed with more pain the widespread desolation and ruin it leaves behind in its withering track such and so great were his efforts in arresting the tide of intemperance on all befitting occasions that he may be said to have anticipated the labors of father matthew the apostle of intemperance denunciations against this degrading habit sunday after sunday formed the chief burden of his fervid eloquence the staple of his preaching so that if he had lived in our day he would have been one of the foremost advocates of the temperance cause 
and none would have rejoiced more at its well-earned victories for he would have gone all lengths to save a single inebriate from destruction End of chapter twelve